0: I mean, he's blocked me on Twitter, so I'm not very inspired. You're the, really um, hurt by this. You've mentioned this to me before. It really bothers me. <laughs> well, it's you, sad. It's the guy who created Netscape and blocked me on Twitter. I yeah. mean, I don't think I agree Netscape with him Netscape blocked much. you on Twitter, essentially. It's exactly right. <laughs> it's, it's
1: sad. It's okay. Netscape's um, not even around anymore.
0: Rich. It's time. Uh, it's, it's time, Rich. Time for It's time. No, no, no. It's time to build. It's time to build, Rich. It's time I mean? to make Whoa. things. I well. No, Paul. No, no. No, no, no. We need new we need new startups. What? That's what we need. We need to build. Okay, so wait, did you read this? Did you read an article by Mark Andreessen of Andreessen Horowitz, the famous venture capital firm. I did. It's, co- it's called "It's Time to Build." Yep. First of all, what a lovely thing it says at the very end. It says, "You know, I expect criticism for this," and and there's a reason to expect criticism, which is that that essay says nothing and it's pointless. <laughs> so, so like you know, I, I think that we can come out there. What do you think?
1: I mean, I, I think I, I would have said. Can you imagine if someone dug this up because it was published in 2018? Oh, well, then I would be like, whoa, okay. Ah, what a genius, right? I mean, you yeah. got the Bill Gates, you know, the TED Talk that everybody's watched now in 2015,
0: was it? A few years yeah. ago. Oh,
1: He pretty much essentially laid out our future, exactly what was going to happen. And then it happened. He, so he's he looking-
0: outlined the pandemic. Very thoroughly, (laughs) very thoroughly. Right. There's another I mean, I remember there's a uh, there was a story written in 2015 in a sci fi magazine. And it's literally it's it's from the point of view of a food blogger writing about how they have to figure out what to cook while they are inside during a terrible pandemic. Yep. And it's it has the word social distancing in it. And I remember reading it and and just being like, oh, wow. Okay. You know, and yeah, it's it's (laughs) it's kind of crazy. And so, you know, you
1: do have thoughtful people out there who are thinking about, you know, sort of these outlier scenarios, right? And it's actually not even that outlier. It's going to happen. Pandemics happen. It's supposed to happen. But, you know, when you see essays like this, which are after the fact, and I guess he's trying to inspire rather than lecture. I think, is what I he's, know, going. But I think he's going not, for an FDR vibe here, I think.
0: I, I think it's just you know, and of course, everyone just they, God. I gotta say, Silicon Valley just eats this with a spoon. A good, absolutely say nothing. I mean, let's let's just tear through it just a little bit, yeah. like. So the title is "It's Time to Build." Yeah, as opposed to before, when it was time to invest in blockchains or Groupon or Groupon. I mean, that's the thing, man. Like this <laughs> thing, God, God bless Andreessen Horowitz. I mean, they invested in Slack. That was good. Yeah. You know, social cam. Social cam could have gotten us through this (laughs) Uh, if we had just paid a little more attention. Yeah. uh, I mean, look,
1: here's the thing. A lot of the essay is about how essentially our existing infrastructure, our existing resources, our systems are just antiquated. Just we don't bother with them. We don't, they're not in great shape. From education to transportation to all these, all these things that sort of make society run are just, they're, they're run down," he's saying.
0: I tend to feel the kind of Reagan-era social policies towards more and more privatization led towards the wrong things getting optimized and that we've sure. ended up in this situation where, sure. you know, it's just everything is, is way too tight. It's run for too much profit mm-hmm. and things that should be social goods aren't taken care of. How do you see that part of the world? I think
1: that if you peel back motivations, a business person or an entrepreneur is seeking to exploit. And I, I, that sounds evil when you say exploit, but really they're looking for inefficiencies. They're looking for opportunity to disrupt the way markets work in places. You know, there are obvious you know, examples. From
0: sometimes you just got to say exploit too. Like just someone once pointed out that all management is manipulation and it is like, yeah, it is.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, look, right? I all, you need say Uber, I mean, the, the invention of Uber was like, they make phone calls to get a car to come to your house. Meanwhile, the internet's everywhere and everybody has computers in their pockets. That's all yep. it was. I mean, it was yep. just like, okay, I can eliminate about 11 hops here and I will turn this all on its head. Rather than saying education software is really bad, we can make it better. The temptation to disrupt there is just not, it's not as, first off, I don't want to come in and negotiate with that. I don't want to negotiate with what exists. I want to blow it up. I want to just show up and actually turn everything upside down, right? That's typically the disruption model, right, that so many startups go after, right? Like, they, you're not going to do it just a little bit better. You're going to actually eliminate those five or six middlemen in the middle of the whole process, right? Well, but
0: that's see, middlemen is the key concept, right? And I think people... This took me a long time to understand around VC. And, and for whatever reason, I, VCs don't talk about it this way. But the truly effective VC is someone who is able to create a new marketplace. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what is Uber? Uber is not about cars. It's It's purposefully not about cars. It's not about employees. It's about having the transaction processor in the middle. Right. So that when I want a car and a driver wants to give a ride, Uber gets... Like, probably, you know, a buck. Yeah. And that happens enough billions of times, and Uber gets billions of bucks, but how much does it spend? Well, that scales in this beautiful way where it costs you less to scale it over time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so... When you look at, I, I think that, that's why I think this. Again, I think the essay isn't meant to be a research paper, but rather to inspire and motivate people. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, know, I saw, yeah, I it's saw
0: Mark Andreessen, the FDR of Silicon Valley. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> Although God knows, the last thing they want to do is be compared to FDR. This is not. This is not FDR town. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: I, you know, and and and. You look at it, he mentions education in the article, right? And, you know, my kids are home now and we've seen this mad scramble in New York City because all the the teachers have to use essentially a a collection of cobbled together tools to teach kids, right? There's Google Classroom, which I didn't even know existed until this, right?
0: Google Classroom, that's a product worth talking about for a minute. That is like one web page. With links. Yeah, that is like if you and I sat down and wrote H one Google Classroom. I just—it's blowing my mind that this existed.
1: I mean, it has to have been one of those twenty percent, you know, a week projects or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's terrible. They
0: invested about one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars in Google Classroom. <laughs> But now everybody's using it, right? You, you know, actually, to the point on infrastructure, right? And like seeing this stuff, I, I think that this is this is where this essay probably bugs me more than anything else. Which is like, ah, mm-hmm. uh, you can all you can see the you can see how badly we've done. Okay, you can. At the same time, what you see is that the public schools were. Holding together a part of society that wasn't being served in any other way, literally feeding people, right, especially in New York City. And when you break that apart because you have to to save lives in the pandemic, that gets exposed, too. And and what I hear is a lot of like, we need to build better learning systems, which we do. This is a mess. But we also need to figure out why the public schools are responsible for feeding all of our children, because that that's a that's a huge inefficiency to me. That's a terrible job for public schools to have.
1: I mean, it is, obviously. And here's, I think, what he's missing, right, which is. I was excited. I got all of a sudden excited because we, you know, we do we have a post-light labs and we do lab projects. And so I'm like, man, we could do some of these things better and just blow this all up. And then I saw a tweet and what they said was the reason education doesn't get disrupted is you have to sell it to the whole administration. You, like the thing about Uber, right? It was, and I don't want to use a viral analogy, but I'm going to use a viral analogy right now. It was viral. Sorry, we're, right? among, we're among friends. We're among friends. I mean, it was truly viral. They didn't ask for permission. It just sort of seeped its way into urban centers, and then little by little, the convenience was strong, the pull was strong, the motivation to get people who weren't drivers, these are doing people doing it part-time, was strong. And all of a sudden, it just started infesting cities, right? To the point where Uber had to shift gears and had to convince politicians to let it in. You can't do that with it Right,
0: right. Like they they just simply didn't, it's not like they they didn't ask permission. They just didn't, I mean, they didn't wait at all. They just did it. They didn't wait at all. And this is a fascinating move, right? When you are willing to accept the risk of litigation, the number of things that you're able to do as a business, is it goes up exponentially.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. And if you've and got they were momentum, willing to, Absolutely.
0: They were willing to be sued. Yeah.
1: And so I guess the question I would pose to, uh, Mark Andreessen, is how do you install a different set of motivations outside of commercial profit so that that kind of innovation can happen inside of a school system or inside of a transit system or inside? How do you do that? And you know, I, that's what that
0: you want to write a killer essay, write that essay, right? Let me ask you a foundational question because I mean, this is there's no answer here. There's this moment, there's a set of moments where World War II is over. Computers are rising, IBM is really big, 60s show up, and suddenly there is this focus on innovation and creating labs and environments in which people could do amazing work. Okay. And out of that, you have Bell Labs and the, you know, you have the transistor becoming the computer, becoming Unix. You've got Xerox Park and a lot of other firm at Stanford Artificial Intelligence mm-hmm. Lab, MIT Lincoln Lab, like the first computers, like from first computer to Windows interface is like 10 years. Like it's actually much less time than people think. Mm -hmm. Or first like home computer, like not first computer, but like there's only a small amount of time between like, hey, what about word processing? And here, look, uh, you can move the device. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then... Those things fade out. Like Apple co-ops a lot of the work that Xerox does. Very legally, that's always made out to be like they stole it, but they they licensed it. And that's how you end up with the Mac interface, mm-hmm. then Windows. and So there's always this fantasy of like, why can't we get back to it? And when I look at innovation labs today, when you look at contemporary innovation labs, I've actually made a study of this. I've looked at many of them. They never have... True power. It's almost like what the companies learned was the wrong lesson. The right lesson was, we're going to get this the hell away from headquarters, mm-hmm. and we're going to put a lot of smart people in the room, and we're gonna, we're just not going to expect anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right. It's like a write off. And the other thing is everybody came from somewhere else. Like they came from biology or they were out of the military. Like it was a weird bunch of people and they weren't coming to do computers. They were coming to do the future of work. And this was one of the means. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we can't get back to it. And we try and we try. Right. And so I'm just sort of like every mechanism you might set up to create, you know, the ultimate education platform. How the hell could you create that? Now, the VCs would say, well, we'll just fund 50 startups. Look, what causes us
1: to move fast In inside of essentially social organisms that are non-commercial, government, nonprofit, and whatnot, that the only thing that causes us to move fast is some external event that just forces us, to, I mean, it would have taken 20 years to get uh, telemedicine going. It would have taken 15
0: years. It's fear. I and mean, it's not fear, fear of the and pandemic. It's fe- it can also be like fear of missing out on zillions of dollars, fear of your dad not respecting you. Like, you know, fear motivates us in a How billion different happened?
1: ways. The, the Belt Parkway here in Brooklyn was built because there was no mechanism to get out of the city when the nuclear bombs were coming.
0: Right. right. And, and, and in some ways, I think the nuclear bombs would have been better than the Belt Parkway, but it's okay. <laughs> for those that
1: don't know the Belt Parkway, it's pretty bad.
0: Um, it, is not, it is not the greatest not uh, highway system. No,
1: but I, I think we're not good at selling and going into organizations. It's, it's a sociological thing. We're not good at going in and saying, would you pull all those wires out and throw them in the trash? This is ridiculous. We've been doing this this way for eight years. It takes years to get out of that. They're hiring COBOL programmers right now,
0: right? We've known. I I think that's what drives me bananas, right, is when somebody shows up and is just like, listen, guys, the answer is for all the parties to work together and for us to really knuckle under here and just get some good stuff done. Yeah. That's like the worst dad in the world. (laughs) It's true. I mean, (laughs) you know what, buddy? Yeah. I just think if you work harder, you'll do better. Yeah.
1: And look, there's changes that are happening right now that will be permanent, right? I mean, that is real. That happens out of other pandemics. And we won't go back. We'll just sort of keep them around. It's like, yeah, you know what? Do I really need to see my neurologist? He doesn't touch me. He doesn't check my body. He just asks me a bunch of questions. But we never go back. It's just, it just go got back. accelerated. Yeah.
0: Something changed. How and we're else never was that going to happen, dude?
1: How else hey, are, we break gonna, are we going to make telemedicine kick off and just go in a very aggressive way?
0: I mean, that's the question. Like, what girlfriend did we just break up with, right? Or what boyfriend? Like, what? (laughs) Who are we never getting back? Yeah. Look, there's some interesting things, right? Which is, and this to me is what's exciting, which is Seamless and Grubhub are clearly taking too high of a tax. And then when Seamless did that thing where it's like, we're going to defer payments, not not like forgive or dramatically reduce, but like, we're going to defer the payments that restaurants, which are horrible, low margin businesses, are going to give to us. Like, you want that world to get disrupted. I, I, I'm tired no, of I'm, my I'm gonna, crappy- I'm going ma- to put a counter-argument
1: here. Seamless would okay. have never been stood up in the first place had there not been a marketplace and a commercial motivation to build it. Who's going to build Seamless? The restaurant organization of the Northeast? <laughs> now they would have done it Seamless? in Flash. No, I mean, you're what making a like, good point now in inside of the current- No, now, of, of course,
0: states. no, no, no. But I mean, With that's the who's thing- Who's going to stand I'm, it up? Seamless wouldn't have existed except in that context, but now we can start to see where like Seamless doesn't add the, some of the value that you get out of Seamless is destructive. Meaning that like, take Seamless out of the picture. Oh no, what, are you kidding? Yeah. It would have been Flash- on old web browsers, and then you could call and <laughs> I mean, someone would fax the restaurant I, when you called them. That's how I, it would have worked. I didn't
1: mean technically take it out of the picture. <laughs> but like if that wasn't in place, if these systems weren't in place, Instacart, Seamless, uh, FreshDirect, all of these like systems that were trying to be more efficient in many ways, my God, what, what, what would it be like? It was just phones ringing you off the hook? You know
0: what? You know, it's clear. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're. Look, there, there's a thing going on here which is really tricky, and and this, I think, is the the challenge that I've always faced in talking about this. Is that people put the technology platform and the social consequences together in a very specific way. So, like, obviously, the gig economy is very, very fragile in case of a pandemic. It's fragile before the pandemic. Right. Right. You have all these Uber drivers, and Uber has a story about how great it is that they're enabling this. Regardless of whether you believe that story or not, it's not good for those drivers that they cannot drive and get paid for driving. And so, like what you start to see, what I'm starting to see, and this is one of the things that's becoming more apparent is that those systems need to be disconnected in certain ways. Like maybe gig gig workers need more rights, or maybe there needs to like something has to give. What I'm, I'm not even actually making an argument about how people need to be treated in a, in a given moment. Like, I, I think that's a whole different thing. But what I'm saying is, like, we've put the two things together for very obvious reasons, which is, like, yep. Seamless is taking too much from restaurants that are low margin. And Uber has gig workers, but they don't have the protections of regular workers, so they're very vulnerable. And then you put this situation in place, and it, it's not good for anybody, right? Like. I feel weird using Seamless because every restaurant there's a spreadsheet telling me don't use Seamless in the neighborhood. Make make the phone call instead because they really need the money. Yeah, I have restaurants and bookstores asking to, me to Venmo them, which is a strange capitalist moment. Like yeah. just you know Venmo the employees. And It's like for, and it's just hard because it's like for what? Yeah, and and so like and then you have like you know I haven't I used to take at least a car or two a week. I haven't taken one in a month.
1: Yeah. Here's where I'm going to, I'm going to sit next to Mark Andreessen for a minute, and then I'm going to come over and sit next to you.
0: Okay, that's good. It's sweet. a weird. This is a weird event, but <laughs> cool.
1: <laughs> um, this gig economy you speak of, there is no economy without this venture. Essentially, like a spear just piercing right through the status quo. It, the truth is that you don't have any of this economy. You have none of it. What does the world look like? Delete Seamless from a timeline and from, a, from from the novel. And what does the world look like? I'm not sure what the world looks like, but people are probably doing other stuff. But guess what? They're doing this, right? And they created this economy and they created gigs. That is real whether we want to acknowledge it or not. No,
0: these these things exist. That's always the hard part in the conversation is to just like get everyone to acknowledge that something exists. Exactly.
1: And they exist and they exist and there are people who are benefiting from it and there are some that are benefiting much more so than others. But the truth is they exist and they exist in many ways and in a net benefit way. I think the TLC in this, in New York City and in other places was this essentially institutionalized mafia and they shattered it, right? And they shattered it, frankly, for their own self-interest, but they did shatter it.
0: I, I, people need to understand from outside the city, we're not talking about some driver who's come over and is trying to make a living. We're talking about the medallion companies that were utterly like as bad as real estate in the two, in 2008. It's bad.
1: It's exploitation, essentially, yeah. much more so. Yeah, so, and they,
0: they ruined lives. They got people to take terrible loans. That's like right. They were truly exploitative and bad. And watching them fail has been nothing but a gift.
1: Yes, yes. And so- as these ventures, as these endeavors take form and progress and continue to eat away at how things work, eventually reaching a point where they have enormous power concentrated in their hands, Right? then you start to get into a different conversation that kicks in, which is like, okay, you won. You actually took over here and yeah. you have embedded yourself in such a fundamental way such that it is now time for you to acknowledge the kind of impact you make, whether positive or negative. And effectively, power starts to, you start to wrestle power away. And that happens in the most extreme ways through regulation, right? Like essentially, regulatory bodies come in and they start to eat away at how a thing can function right but i don't want to take away that first part cuz i think that i think the the real innovation happens cuz somebody feels like oh my god if i do this right i think i could conquer that mountain right? And that's the only way it happens. If you think it's going to happen because you're going to give a good presentation to the board of education of some town or some state, good luck. Oh, man. It's not going to happen. It's going to die right there and then. I've seen people try it. I've seen people with good intentions go into the public sector trying to cause change to happen, only to have their hearts scooped out of their chests and dragged a few miles.
0: Where does that break? That breaks in two ways. And it's easy to get really cynical, but I I think one is the outsider rarely has an understanding of the number of systems and subsystems and the scale of the challenge. Like, you know, Horowitz is in here talking about the VA in this essay. And it's just like, dude, when you meet people who've worked with and are connected to the VA, like it's like, you're talking about Spain. There's no single entry point. There's no single organization called the VA.
1: Right. So the chef, very famous chef, Jose Andres. Do you know who that is? Oh yeah, that guy should get a prize. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah, he has a nonprofit called World Central Kitchen, that right now is is like serving up millions of meals around the country because people
0: are are struggling, right? And also, like like you know, when Puerto Rico was, he went to Puerto Rico devastated. and, and he did just, a bunch of stuff. And, he, and he's an expert at setting up good kitchens that can scale out. That's right. That's right. And get, so, guess what? What's
1: happened? What's happened is he's gone to certain cities and he's like, I can't do it. But you know what? I have money in the bank because it's a a very well-funded nonprofit. So you know what he's doing? He's telling restaurants in those areas, I'll give you $10 a meal. I just need a half a million meals.
0: That's great.
1: It's great. And you know what he said? He was just interviewed on 60 Minutes. You know what he said? He's like, why the hell am I doing this? There's billions pouring out of the government right now to like,
0: yeah, why Funnelies am I businesses. funneling $5 million? Why don't you put $5 billion to keep all the restaurants moving?
1: And feed people.
0: And feed the hungry. Right,
1: Yeah. exactly. So, I mean, look, just to go back to Andreessen's essay, I mean, innovation and building and whatnot, I think the blind spot here is understanding how organizations work and how strong their inertia towards not changing really is. There's just this, like, the gravitational pull of same of just staying the same and, and keeping, you know, just continuing the same way is Look, massive. let's be real.
0: This is a crisis and things will change as a result of the crisis. The absolute human focus is always to build a defensive system so that you can make money, take care of your family, mm-hmm. which sometimes means, you know, sometimes you need to be a billionaire to take care of your family. Like human psychology is funny. And and to do nothing after that, Yeah. right? Like. Yeah. There's another element to this, which is like, you really got to question, I'm a writer and now I'm a person who runs a company. (laughs) And when I was a pure writer, I wrote so that I would have the opportunity to write again. That's the only reason in like my twenties and thirties, I'd be like, oh my God, I hope I get to do more writing because this is exciting. And I like having my voice out in the world. It's very different for me now. I can't say anything I want, and I write a lot of times, and I communicate, and I'm on podcasts to talk about Postlight and to talk about services and to help people solve problems. And I'm fine with that because, A, it's in my best interest, but, B, it's okay for me to be a little more general purpose and a little less like classic journalist and to still find ways to get signal out into the world. But, Richie, another phrase, talking your book. no. To, it's a VC term. Like a, a VC always talks their book, meaning that their book of business. Like they're always out there, no matter what they're doing. And this this includes some of the people I really like and who I really respect. And if they're like a counterintuitive, edgy VC who's very critical of the ecosystem, and that's how they do their their investments, they're going to talk about that too. Like you can't not talk your book as a VC. Right. And so. You look at this, and I'm just like, all right, he's talking his book. He wants to make some investments and get money to f- get money to fund things from the government. And just, interesting. Like, so it's just you're like what is the
1: as, as the, he put on. He's wearing the VC hat. Like it's, Unless he's
0: running for office, at which point, oh my god, that'll be a rough scene. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. I mean, this is a person who has certain beliefs about the economy, and that, that yeah. are going to be. I mean, for for a VC to come out and say we need to start building things you know meaning investing and yep. fixing infrastructure yep, yep, and doing yep, stuff yep. I, I mean <laughs> it's not like oh really from you what a shocker I, well you know i think i think he views i think he views
1: you know public sector as wasteful um as slow
0: i mean andreesen horowitz i think there's more he, to talk
1: about here paul
0: there is, there is. There's platform stuff to think about. Um, there's a lot I want to say. Frankly, it's not really just about him. Like it's just a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really buy this. This is very low on concrete ways of improving society. It's frankly, too simple. yeah, yeah. It's a little reductive, and I, I feel that like you got to unlock that. But Agreed. regardless, hello at postlight.com. <laughs> right, like we're gonna keep working. Yeah, today. right. Regardless.
1: We do think it's time to build, and boy, do we have the builders <laughs> for you.
0: <laughs> Speaking of talking your book, right? It's always, it's always time to build at Postlight. All right. Reach out um, if you need anything, advice,
1: talk to us. Hello at postlight.com. We're a digital product studio, talented group of designers, engineers, product thinkers based in New York City, but all over the world.
0: And working from home and hard, working hard.
1: Have a good week.